You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And today, let's break down the options of what Texas A&M can do next year to replace the production of Isaiah Spiller. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube.com. Subscribe to the channel right down below. And of course, follow us at LockedOnPodcast.com. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos, the official college sponsor of ESPN College Football. Go to Sonos.com to learn more about their fine, fine product today. As always, my name is Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for those of you watching on YouTube. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So before we go into the main part of this meat and potatoes, this kind of week I'm going to go through some positional groups who are some players I think that can replace the production of Camp Miss Stars. But I always want to start off with something a little bit more poignant, a little bit more convenient to kind of start the conversation. Let's talk about today about the defensive coordinator position. Now that Jimbo has the opportunity to really go and solidify himself in the process of finding his next defense coordinator to replace Mike Elko and his status with the organization with the 12th man, I do have some concerns. I do have some questions that I also want to need. There's also some things that I need to bring up with you. Let's go with the first thing. Number one. If you don't know for sure what you're going to do with the position, and that means externally, internally, look at every option. Look at every single option. If Tyler Santucci does feel like the right guy, give him go ahead and promote him. If it's TJ Rushing, go ahead and promote him. If you want to do something where it is Elijah Robinson or it is something along the lines of maybe a two-co-defense coordinator kind of thing, something that Billy Napier is doing at Florida, something that you're starting to see a little bit more poignant around the I mean around the college football realm. Pass game off its coordinator, run game off its coordinator, really just kind of a, you know, a dual threat situation. Go ahead and do that. There's multiple ways you can go ahead and do that. But the way that I look at this situation right now, the way that I look at this conversation right now, the biggest thing that I want you to do if you're Texas A&M is make sure you get the right hire. And the right hire is whoever Jimbo Fisher feels fit. But be weary because of a program like Texas A&M is starting to join that upper echelon tier of programs mentioned in the higher ranks. What do I mean by that? Well, you get Texas, you think of Alabama, you think of uh, USC, you think of probably Clemson right now, Georgia. Uh, I'll throw maybe Florida in the mix in that conversation just a little bit. But you think of like those main tier programs, like the top tier programs in, in college football today. Ohio State, Michigan. Those aren't programs that a first-time defensive coordinator or a first-time offensive coordinator go to to be successful. Nine times out of ten, they usually are either promoted internally after being there for years and years and years and years and years, or they are already proven. Whether it be at a small school program, whether it be at you know a Division II school as a head coach and then kind of promoted up. Kalen DeBoer, now the head coach at Washington, is like a perfect example of that. Went from being a Division III head coach to then going to becoming an offensive coordinator. 
Eric Morris, who's going to be the uh, offense coordinator at Washington State, was the head coach at Incarnate Word this past year. So there's a lot of ways you can go with that. My big question is, and what I really mean by when I talk about this, is that A&M is a program to where you're going to be able to bring in a elite player, an elite coordinator, if you really want to. A guy like Jim Leonard from uh, Wisconsin would be one. Derek Mason from Auburn would be another. Doug Belk, if you really want to spend some money and get him to leave Houston, despite him, you know, getting paid, would be another one that you can look at. The reason why you should go after guys like that is because they're proven. A guy like Elijah Rob, uh, I mean, a guy like Elijah Robinson would be great. A guy like TJ Rushing would be great. A guy like Tyler Santucci would be great. If they had experience at, say, like a Temple or an East Carolina or a... Um, a Bowling Green, or somewhere along the lines of that. Because the problem is, you look at a team like Clemson. Clemson is getting boat raced right now and belittled like crazy at the fact that they made two internal hires this offseason to replace Brent Venables and Tony Elliott as their program starts. And the reason that's a big deal is because if Clemson in the ACC has been a dynasty, they have absolutely been able to control every little bit of their aspect. They've been able to basically pinpoint where they want to go. And on top of all that, they've been able to demand excellence for years, probably because of the level of competition just hasn't been there. But when you lose Tony Elliott to Virginia and you lose Brent Venables to Oklahoma, what that leads to is now an internal conflict of do I go get a high-end guy who's been a head coach, maybe needs to have kind of that Alabama Nick Saban type feel with the rehabilitation program? Do I go after somebody who has been proven, been around the block for a little bit? If you go that pathway, then at least you know that they have the experience of not just recruiting, but they also have the experience of calling games, not just looking at position players. There is a difference, a major difference, like, like one that is absolutely a huge deal for A&M. Clemson is getting boat raced because they made two internal hires. A&M, if they do that, and then they regress, well, not only do you ruin like the legacy of what happens with TJ Rushing or Tyler Santucci or one of the other guys, you also potentially fire them, and they're great at recruiting, and they go to another program and they recruit. Where if you go get a proven defensive coordinator, you keep your guys, at least for another year, or so, then they leave, but you have somebody in there who probably already is an elite recruiter as his own aspect. Getting somebody to replace Mike Elko is a much bigger task I think people are actually giving credit for. Because if you're getting somebody who needs to know how to recruit, but also knows how to command excellence from a defense. And what I mean by that is, look at the stops that Mike Elko went on before coming to Texas A&M. He was defense coordinator at Bowling Green. He was the defense coordinator at Wake Forest. And then he was the defense coordinator at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly. He had three different stops and three different experiences of how to call a defense before mastering and honing in his craft and bringing it into Texas A&M. There is a difference. There is a massive difference when it comes to that. Because the last thing that you want to do is have somebody be an internal hire because the players like him, the players respect him, the players think he's great. And then... Your defense takes a hit because they don't know how to call plays. Your defense takes a hit because they don't know how to get proper formations lined up. And you lose not only your recruiter because you got to fire him, but you also have to go right back to the process of getting the right coordinator in the building. The bottom line is that it's not as easy as just a simple, oh, we're going to promote this guy because we think he's ready kind of hire. It's a, we're in the SEC and we got to play Alabama next year. Who's going to be the guy that's going to be able to help us make a lot of plays? 
And if it's somebody on staff, by all means, go for it. If it's not, you can't allow the fear of watching a guy leave to join another staff because of the, you know, a new hire comes in or something like that in the future, just because of you want to keep them around for recruiting purposes. You can't do that. And that's what, exactly what I think happened with a guy like Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. That's what I think happened with maybe someone like Billy Napier who brings in his defense coordinator from Louisiana Lafayette. Maybe you didn't go for swing big enough because of you want to play the let's keep it close to home thing. And that's fine. And that works for only a certain number of periods. After a while, it just doesn't. After a while, it actually just absolutely goes to complete crap. And that's why you look at a guy like a Manny Diaz type hire who was a head coach and is proven as a defense coordinator. He makes a lot of sense for Penn State because if they need to go replace their defense coordinator who became the head coach of Virginia Tech, you have to go address that position right away and you have to go figure that out as soon as possible. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single day. Your team every day. Thank you for making sure that you check out the Ultimate College Playoff Preview 2021. Local experts, betting advice, draft analysis, and much, much more. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview begins live right now. So let's talk about the running back position. Replacing a player like Isaiah Spiller, one of the best running backs who has ever entered Texas A&M's facilities, is a tough ask. This is a guy who was a two-time 1,000-yard rusher. This was a three-time 1,000-total-yard player entering from Klein Collins as in 2019 and immediately making an impact. You got to remember that when uh, when that team started with Cordarian Richardson and Jacob Cabote and um, Jayshon Corbin, Corbin got hurt in the first uh, the second game of the season, so he was out. Richardson had a lot of ups and downs. And eventually, just was no longer a part of the program. Uh, Cabote, kind of same thing. They really relied heavily on Isaiah Spiller to take a bulk of the carries, and he was the guy, and he really stepped up over the last two years. And then last year, he finally got a little bit of help with Devon A-Chain, and then this past year, he got a little bit more help with Damari Daniels and LJ Johnson. So what is the main thing you do? Well, let's just start with the first thing that you could look at. Number one is just re- simply replace the production of what you saw from the likes of Spiller with the likes of A-Chain. And this is not uncommon in college football, especially in the SEC, especially in really good programs. I will never forget during my time at Alabama, TJ Yeldon was the guy who was getting backup reps really early on behind Eddie Lacy. And then when Eddie Lacy went, TJ Yeldon came the lead back. And then with him, Kenyon Drake took over from being that third down back to being that number two back. And then when TJ Yeldon got hurt, Kenyon Drake became the number one back. And when that happened, you saw Derrick Henry kind of come into the fold. And then when both of them left for the pros... You saw the likes of Derrick Henry start to really emerge and be that superstar. And you also had Kenyon Drake kind of being the backup kind of role, kind of situational guy while playing along with him. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You see it all the time. And you start to see that a little bit more because, again, think about it last year. You look at uh, Najee Harris at Alabama. And then he leaves and Brian Robinson, who was the number two back, takes over as the number one. It's that simple. And Devon Achean has 100% earned more reps. When you go back and you watch the snap count, when you go back and you watch the game film, 28 was out there for the first two drives, and number six would come in on drive number three. Afterwards, it would be situational ball. You could very much see it simply as that. As number six comes in, and then you switch out Amari Daniels, LJ Johnson, Le'Veon Moss, and one of those two, you can go as simply as just put that into the conversation. And what I really like about this is that depending on what you do at quarterback really is going to help you solidify what you do at running back. 
you can go ahead and keep a guy like Devon Achain, who finished as the SEC leading rusher in yards per attempt at 7.1 yards per carry as your number two guy. You can 100% do that. That's an awesome experience. You can go ahead and maybe play Amari Daniels a little bit more, LJ Johnson a little bit more if you choose to. Or if you don't have a proven quarterback, you can go ahead and just trust that six is going to get the job done. Now, number two, let's talk about Amari Daniels. Daniels, to me, is a little bit of a mix of what I've seen from both Spiller and A-Chain. He's a little bit faster than LJ Johnson. He's a little bit slower than Devon A-Chain. He's about the same type of speed as what Isaiah Spiller is, but he's got a little bit more power than A-Chain. He can get he can lower that shoulder just a little bit more, kind of deliver that little bit more of a, cru- of a crushing blow, kind of move the ball efficiently on third down, pick up those short yardage, those meaningful yards. That's exactly what Isaiah Spiller did. And then when you get an open field, well, there you go. Now, if you really want to go with that power build back, that's where LJ Johnson comes to the conversation. Johnson, who comes out of Cypress High School, was uh, Cy Fair High School, was one of the best running backs in the state of Texas in 2020 before joining the team in 2021. This is the physical back. This is the guy who, in my opinion, is uh, what a Christian Michael kind of was type of player. Big, physical, bulldoze, pounding ground, like trying to knock you out. Not like a boxer. He's going to go ahead and put his guard up, guard up, guard up. And then as soon as he gets a second, delivers that crushing blow. Left hook. Right hook. It's that fast. It moves that quickly. Like he delivers those type of punches that you watch and you're like, oh God, how am I going to be able to defend this kind of guy? That's the type of player that LJ Johnson is. And then you kind of saw that a little bit in later games, especially South Carolina um, against our Prairie View A&M. I think you also saw it a little bit against... Um, uh, not Ole Miss, um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Missouri, you kind of saw it there. I personally think that, that, that the, the best plan of action would be that kind of style. Uh, if I were to go ahead and say what I would do right now, I would 100% go with Devon A-Chain. I think A-Chain is the guy that you have to really look at. Uh, you know, when Jim Fisher was kind of talking about what was going to happen with the bowl game when Isaiah Spiller opted out, it was they trusted that a guy like A-Chain could handle the carries. He could handle the pressure of 18 to 22 carries a game. And then in a similar capacity, you would have LJ and Amari take those 14 to 15 usual carries that you see from A-Chain and they would split it up. One would get about eight, one would get about six, one would get about, you know, maybe one would get about seven, one would get about nine, something like that. They would figure out a way to do that and switch things up. But what's interesting is that I do think that the quarterback position matters most. If you're going with a younger guy, somebody who probably needs a little bit more of a ground and pound approach, get you set up on third and short, get you set up for the um, quick passes. Maybe it is Connor Wangman. Maybe you do go Haynes King. I feel like you got to go with the guy like, with um, with A-Chain because A-Chain, people keep sleeping on his receiving ability out of the backfield. That, to me, is what makes him a little bit of a difference maker compared to the likes of... And again, no offense. And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm, I'm just stating what I personally have seen. It shows a little bit of a difference between... Amari Daniels and LJ Johnson, both of whom I think that you need to see a full offseason, a full spring, what they can do as pass catchers. That's the difference maker. And then in that same capacity, on that third drive, you put a number four, you put a number 34, whatever numbers they wear next year. I'm just going off what we know this year. Put them in that conversation. Let them try and move the ball. Then you go ahead and play your best situational ball. That to me is like the best plan of action. But I will be very interested to see how both Amari Daniels and how um, how uh, LJ Johnson do this spring. I really think that they could be difference makers, and I really do think that if you go with a guy like Max Johnson, 
it doesn't really matter what you do at running back. He's a guy who's proven in the SEC, understands the cadences, and understands you know SEC defenses, turnstiles, and what to expect against a defensive line. Plus, a more healthy and veteran offensive line is going to be a huge difference maker for Texas A&M. They can have four starters up to, I include Aki in that conversation. So you put Aki in place of uh, 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 Kenyon Green. All you really got to do is replace Jameer Johnson, and there's a lot of talent at the tackle spot. Uh, Trey Zahn's one. I think that you could put Cam Dewberry if you really want to out there. There's a lot of different options you could go with. So to me, with a more stable offensive line, and if you do go Max Johnson as your quarterback number one, you're kind of setting yourself up for a really good situational formation. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by BetOnline.he. It's a brand new year, and that means new bets are coming in right away. We have the college football playoff right around the corner, and the NFL playoffs are just on the horizon. So make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's BetOnline.he. BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best bets, the best options, and so much more. All you got to do is visit their website, head on over to the mobile app, and use the promo code Locked On for 50% off with your first deposit. From NFL to NBA to MLB offseason to UFC, casino games, and much, much more. Stop seeing the sidelines. Get into the action now with BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making sure your first listen to now make sure your second listen is Locked On Bets with Q and Andy Cavaliers. Andy Picks, Odd Wagers, and much more. Go visit the Locked On Podcast. Set up a bet online right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. There is one more option, the wild card. I'm going to throw the wild card in there, and nine times out of ten, the wild card player is usually going to be the up-and-coming, incoming recruit. Le'Veon Moss. Le'Veon was the only running back that was added to this draft, I mean, to this recruiting class. And the reason why Jimbo Fisher did that was they loved what they saw from him. You look at the running back position, it could be one of the deepest going into next year because it was deep as all hell this year. I I mean, the fact that LJ Johnson was one of the best running backs in the country and you barely heard his name, that just shows that you are not limited at the running back spot. But a guy like Moss with a hybrid blend of size, speed, agility, quickness, lateral movement, does a really nice job after the catch. If you go watch his film coming out of Louisiana, has really nice overall hands and is a pretty decent route runner to, you know, to my home myself, but also is exceedingly well in pass protection, which is really a big deal because you're replacing more of a burly sized guy in Spiller who can do a little bit of that. That to me matters so much to the little things, the little aspects of the game. That's something that I really look at and go, okay, if you can go ahead and add that into your repertoire, that's another big plus. Do I think that he can be a starter week one? No, not in the slightest. I I have no doubt in my mind that he will barely see the field in some aspect. But again, we did say the same thing about Devon A-Chain. Remember, there was a lot of talent coming into that 2020 class. There was a lot of talent that when you look back at that roster... They could have gone in a whole different bunch of directions. Instead, they went with the safe bet. They went with going after a guy who was known for his speed, his agility, and his quickness with the track ability added to the mix. And it paid off for them in a big-time favor. Without Devon A-Chain, they they do not win the Orange Bowl. They 100% do not win the Orange Bowl. And they sit at home, not 9-1, but 8-2. Who wants to talk about an 8-2 season? 9-1 at least gives you something presentable because of the loss comes to the national champion. You can do the exact same thing. If Le'Veon Moss and his speed and his agility is exactly what pairs up with Devon A-Chain, or if A-Chain, say, gets hurt and you got to go with Amari Daniels and he's a better fit, that's what you got to do. 
And the biggest thing about Jimbo Fisher is he's never once shied away from playing younger talent just because the veterans on the roster are quote-unquote deserving of having more reps. Guy that plays the best is the guy that's going to be on the football field. End of discussion. And if a guy like Le'Veon Moss, who again was the only running back added in this entire class, comes into the fold and is viewed as being a difference maker very early on, Jimbo Fisher is going to get him out there and Jimbo Fisher is going to make sure he plays right away. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Let's go ahead and talk about tomorrow's show where we break down the potential options of what to do to replace the production of a guy like Jalen Widemeyer. He can't miss tight end. One of the greatest ever in Texas history. We'll talk about that in much, much more. See you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.